Hey, Mrs. Wade. Jenkins. Come on, let's go inside, Marlo. We want to talk to you. Oh, is this where I'm supposed to say, what is all this about? And he says, uh, shut up, I asked the question. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it happens every day. Right profile. Sit down. Sit down. What the hell are you doing here? That's right. I'm getting ready to sing Swanee. Swanee, how I love you, how I when some passerby invites your eye to come her way. There's gonna be a lot of people looking for me as a result of my lovely wife. If it was a murderer, he murdered his wife. That's a lie. I know he didn't kill and, her. He couldn't I'll tell you kill something else. Anybody. It's a minor crime, a minor crime, a misdemeanor to kill your wife. The major crime is he stole my money. Your friend stole my money, and the penalty for that is capital punishment. Even as she smiles a quick hello, you let her go. I like your face, too. Could you find my husband for me, please, Mr. Marler? You let the moment fly. I'm a man cannot stand confinement. Who the hell are you? Well, I'm this here private investigator who was sent here this afternoon to uh, find you. Did you come here to see me or my wife? It's not his business. Write the check, Roger. What check? Write the check, Roger. Whoa. Lady, you turn your head. You know you said a long goodbye. Never learn. You're a born loser. What do you think, Mabel? Ow! If you have any trouble, I'll back you up. I have fresh evidence now for you to reopen the Terry Lennox case. You ever think about suicide, Marlboro? Me? I don't believe in it. Goodbye. Don't you try to be nice to me now. I'm leaving, and it's goodbye. I ain't running after you in the rain when you're catching a plane. No more. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I'm through, I'm through this time and I'm... Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame uh, bonus episode. We're going to do a bonus episode today for all of our wonderful fans who've been so patient with us and uh, for our patrons who are giving us money. And that's really kind and lovely of you. So, yay, bonus episode. Uh, <laughs> I am Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Uh, with me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hey, what's up? Not much, not much. We are recording this uh, the day after Thanksgiving, so both of us are really tired. Even though, like, I just spent time with like my my parents, uh, and and you you just had time with a friend, right? Yep, and the dog, <laughs> and the dog, and the dog. The dog is important. Oh, she's very important and she'll probably make a cameo on this episode before we're done so. yeah <laughs> uh so today for our bonus episode um we are going to talk about the long goodbye which is the neo-noir released in 1973 directed by robert altman and starring elliot gould as philip marlowe it's based on Raymond Chandler's 1953 novel of the same name, which if you've read the novel, I, I've read the novel years ago. It is a very different book. <laughs> um, and the film also features Sterling Hayden, Nina Val, uh, Van Pallant, uh, Jim Booten, Mark Riddell, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, who <laughs> is very recognizable. Like as soon as you see her, just like that is young Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
And I don't think he even has a line in the entire film. It's just, he just like stands around and he, he takes his clothes off at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but so The Long Goodbye is, is very often cited as being one of the greatest neo-noirs. Uh, and and it's, it's easy to see why it is a very different film, particularly if you look at it as an, you know, if you think about it as an actual Philip Marlowe story. Um, Karen, just what are your general impressions? Let's start out with what are your general impressions of this film? Like this is one of my favorite neo-noirs. I will say that right off the bat. Well, first of all, I think that it should be noted, I found several references where Raymond Chandler called this his best of the Philip Nar. I can't talk this morning either. Um, but Raymond Chandler said that this, he felt was his best uh, Philip Marlowe novel. And um, I think that that's important. I don't know. Maybe it's not that important to know, but I feel like it is because this is a story that really mattered to him in a different way. This came later in his career. Um, and after he had been through a lot of life himself and so even though this is set 20 years after it was written um, and it's set like, or yeah, it's set and it takes place like 30, almost 30 years after the one that we know best, the big sleep. Um, it's got, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, it really does have that sense of this guy who has been around a lot. He's been through a lot. He's seen everything and he's just kind of world weary and um i don't know it, it's the styling of it is really interesting um i like it i think it's uh i think because it's a little bit different from the ones that are much more familiar um it gives it a different take it's very I I think it was a long time before I realized, like years before I realized that Elliot Gould is playing the same guy that Humphrey Bogart played, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's, it's a, I think it's a fascinating film and, mm-hmm. and Gould's performance Gould. Um, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but Gould is very, he, he embodies what the, on the one hand, a very different character than, yeah. than the character that Bogart is playing. But actually, in some ways, if you if you've read a number of the Raymond Chandler novels, he's closer in a lot of ways to um, to the Philip Marlowe of the novels than mm-hmm. Bogart is, uh, and and it is that kind of he's he's not it, the, the, that sort of laconic sense that he has that he's been sort of battered around a lot, but he has this very strong moral sensibility, this very strong sense of loyalty um a distrust of authority yeah. uh partially because he's been in authority and he kind of he knows how to distrust, to distrust it yeah um yeah. you know and, and all of that and it's really it's interesting then to see this like you say to see this updated to from the the 1950s to the 1970s um because marlowe himself feels in the book, he feel it feels like he's a throwback, and that's in the 1950s. In the 1970s, it feels even more like he's a throwback. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and you just remark on some of the things that the way that Gould plays the character, but also just the way that he dresses, the way that he talks, the ubiquitous cigarette. Um, you know, he he goes to the beach numerous times, and he never changes out of the same suit. Right. <laughs> uh, at one point, like I think, I think when he goes, he runs into the ocean at one point, and he actually he 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 says to um, 
uh, he, he says to the woman, hold my tie. He takes his tie off <laughs> and before he runs, it doesn't take anything else off, doesn't nope. take his clothes off or <laughs> even try, like his shoes, nothing, just like, no, his tie. <laughs> and and it's this it's it's a fascinating performance I think yeah well and, and it's funny because he does feel like this person that's out of time and he feels like someone who maybe the, the world has moved past him a little bit um and he's just kind of wandering and he he very often I think there are moments where he seems totally clueless and out of his depth and then he'll do something and you're just like, Oh, okay. You know, he knows exactly what's going on. This is just part of just how he presents himself. Yeah. And, and I like, so like some, in some of the early scenes when he's being interrogated by the cops and there's, there's almost the sense of like, why don't you just tell them what happened? Right. Mm -hmm. But he's so resistant to any form of, <laughs> to, to giving a single inch, right. To yeah. being like, okay, why are you asking me these questions? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you here? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, all of this stuff. And, and you're like, well, it'd be a lot easier for you if you just told them the truth and mm -hmm. moved on from that but there's this degree of loyalty and and also like i said just this distrust like why do you want to know all of this i'm not just going to tell you because you asked me um so so this this is an interesting film i think that uh you know just in the basic setup the whole story begins with um marlo being woken up by his cat in the <laughs> middle of the night and this this precedes a long sequence in which we've got Philip Marlowe sort of mumbling to himself and talking to the cat, going out to buy cat food, not being able to find the right brand of cat food, coming back, trying to fool the cat with a different brand of cat food that the cat Which anybody do, but... <laughs> who's ever had a cat knows this is like real life. This exactly. cat is so damn picky. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's such an odd opening for this, you know, you're this is this film noir, he's this hard-boiled detective, he's Philip Marlowe, he's kind of one of the quintessential hard-boiled detectives. And the first 15 minutes of the film is basically filled up with him trying to feed his cat. Like, that's the story. Um, but it establishes his character. It establishes the the world that he exists in. It's this midnight world, right? This is it's three o'clock in the morning. There's these hot girls hanging around and he's not really paying much attention to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then and then he gets back and his friend Terry Lennox uh, shows up at his apartment and um, and basically says, like, I had a fight with my wife. I want you to drive me to Mexico. <laughs> Uh, which, Mar suspicious. which Marlo doesn't seem to question. So there's there's definitely this like background of like, okay, this happens a lot. You know, yeah, this tells you a lot about Terry. Yeah. <laughs> that, the two that Philip doesn't even, yeah, he doesn't even question it. Yeah, the two of them get into a fight and like this this happens. All right, I'm gonna drive you to Mexico. So he drives them to Mexico and then the next day the cops show up. Uh which by the way, I just have to say, because I, I did rewatch this this week. And I was laughing because it's like the middle of the night when Terry shows up. And I mean, I guess if it's 3 a.m., that kind of makes sense. But I was just like, it's super dark when they leave. Mexico's not that far from L.A. It shouldn't be sunrise by the time they get there. It should still be dark. But anyway. yeah, I, think, I think that it's like, so he says, I think he gets up at like 3 o'clock in the morning when the cat wakes him up. Yeah, I guess that and could so, make sense. If sunrise yeah, so is at like 6 <laughs> yeah, it's getting close to being sunrise, but it's still dark. Yeah. Uh, when Terry shows up, and then, um, you know, and and then he gets to Mexico. And by the time he gets back, it's morning. 
Yeah. Right, and the sun is out and everything. So Marlon winds up getting arrested uh, because he won't tell them anything about where he took Terry Lennox or, you know, because they won't tell him anything. And then what eventually comes out is uh, that Terry Lennox's wife is dead. And that that kind of sets everything off. Then there's this whole other subplot <laughs> that involves Marlo uh, doing an investigation of a, 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 a woman's missing husband. So Mrs. Wade, uh, played by Nina Van Pallant, um, and her husband has gone missing. Her husband is a famous writer who's kind of modeled after Ernest Hemingway. Uh, and so Marlo's looking for uh, looking for him, and at the same time is kind of trying to figure out what happened. Did Terry Lennox kill his wife? Did he not? Um, and and what has gone on? But it's it's a weird film in the sense that the mystery, like m the mystery of Wade, gets solved pretty quickly. Yeah. And then the mystery of whether or not Terry Lennox killed his wife and what happened to Terry isn't really that important or it doesn't feel that important other than the fact that Marlowe just refuses to tell anybody about it and he's very single-mindedly dedicated to figuring out what happened. But the mystery itself in this story isn't really like, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's an important part of the film, but it's not, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, the, yeah. yeah, it's kind of funny because it's like, you know, Marlowe goes, he ends up in this world with like these bad criminal guys and Ar with Arnold Schwarzenegger is there <laughs> and he's like I, I, it's it's weird because it's such a good movie and it's such an interesting story but it's I think that's because you have um a writer and a director and artist you know actors who just keep you wanting to watch it it's one of those kind of like what we we're talking about in the last episode where it's like you have to know the rules so you can break the rules and like this is a story that kind of shouldn't work it should be like well why am I still watching this but it's so interesting and the characters are so good that you just want to keep going with it yeah I mean you've got this entire vignette and not I mean not really a vignette it does wind up being connected and and a lot of um a lot of Chandler's novels are like that, where you actually have two stories going at the same time. You've mm -hmm. got a primary investigation, you've got a secondary investigation, and at some point they converge, uh, which, which is what happens here as well. But it's not obvious how they're going to converge other than the fact that um, the Wades and the Lennoxes live in the same complex. Right. Uh, they live in the same gated community in Malibu. It's funny though, because once they do converge, it's kind of like, oh, well, why did I not see that coming? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. You're just like, oh yeah, yeah. sure, of course, of course. But that, that's the thing. The point isn't the mystery. The right. point isn't like a lot. A lot of the point is just the degree to which Marlowe is put upon. You know, so the Marty Augustine sections of the story, where you have these long scenes of people of these criminals threatening violently, threatening Marlowe and mm -hmm. committing all of these kinds of atrocities, but nothing much happens really. Like it's, it doesn't push the plot forward in any sense. It's not like suddenly we're fine, we're getting revelations about who Terry Lennox is or what happened to his wife or what happened to, uh, um to wade etc like it's it's just like oh they're threatening marlo and then some violent stuff happens and then they leave mm -hmm. but it is it's fascinating at the same time you're sitting there like on the edge of your seat being like this is so good it's like but nothing is happening right <laughs> it's the kind of movie that i don't think anybody would dare to make it 
this way now. I think they would definitely make sure, even if they didn't do a good job of connecting things, I think that writers and directors now would have this like, oh no, we need to keep everything moving the plot forward. You know, it's just different type of storytelling now. You've been listening to our November bonus episode on The Long Goodbye. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode and all of our bonus content, please visit patreon.com slash citizendame and become a patron. There's a long goodbye.